0: hello and welcome to the horizon church podcast we exist to see lives transformed through jesus and are located in the heart of surrey bc canada to find out more visit us at horizonchurch.ca we hope this message blesses and inspires you hey good morning how's everyone good uh just before we dive in uh if you weren't here last week uh, we. It's important that you're here on Sunday, if you're at all possible. Uh, the only, for example, the only reason I have cable TV still today is because of live uh, sports. Because there's something about when you're in participating in to watch the Canucks lose again that really isn't, no. But there's, it's one thing for, I'll do a better example. In 2010, which just 10 years ago just happened, our 2010 Olympics, to, uh, 10 years ago, uh, this happened where we won the gold medal, and it was fantastic. Sidney Crosby scored, and when some of you are just, yes, it happened. Uh, and it was an incredible moment to watch it in, in, as it happened. It's not the same to watch it when you already know what's happened or you're just watching what you already know has happened. It's just not not the same. Uh, and if you're here on Sunday, there are things that happen here that can't be uh, live streamed, that can't be heard through a recording. There's something that's about when you're in the room that God does something specific and uh, special for you. And so I know some, we live in a culture today that uh, sees uh, gathering together as an option if you're a Christian. But if you're a Christ follower, the Bible's very clear that gathering together is not an option for your faith it's part of what helps you grow you are needed and you need it you need each other you need me yeah three people are convinced of that okay it's gonna be i'm gonna meet at starbucks next week with you three and we'll be good but in all seriousness, uh, if you didn't hear, if you weren't here last week, uh, listen. Uh, you can go to horizonfam.ca and listen to that. And uh, it was just kind of a prophetic message that I felt like God gave me. And in the moment, it was uh, challenging, but it was good. If you were here, was it good? Yeah, God moved. It was wonderful. Okay. Before I get in as well, I just want to uh, address, you might have noticed as you came in that people were uh, maybe not shaking their hands as much as they used to shake your hands or whatever. We're just trying to uh, be sensitive and wise in the middle of it, of what's uh, the coronavirus stuff that's uh, uh, circling the globe. You know, I I know there's two schools of thought on this. If I look at my uh, Facebook account, some people are like, uh, doesn't bother them a bit. And they're, they're saying, whatever happens, I'm going Know like wipe my hands on something and wipe it on my face or whatever like that so some people are on the extreme of nothing ever is going to happen and and god's going to take care of me and all that and then other people are on the other end of the 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 extreme where they're like in great fear not going anywhere not doing anything all that so uh, I just want to be clear what we're doing this morning because we want to we want to actually be wise as well. F- wisdom is not in opposition to faith. The Bible is full of things like faith that says, and we're going to talk about it, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, and I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my strength. So God's with us. We believe that. We believe that God heals. Uh, in fact, in the Old Testament, there was uh, the people of Israel as they came out of Egypt that says that they, they just walked in Health all the time, and and that was not just divine health, but they also did some very clear things. When someone was was sick, they washed their hands. They did if you got, if you were sick, you isolated yourself until you got better. There was all kinds of things: don't eat this, don't do that, deal with waste this way, which was revolutionary at that time and helped them to stay well and healthy. There's natural and there's spiritual. It's not one or the other. It's both okay so we are we are gonna do both uh because uh around this like what what we were what we're told the health uh, authorities and just because somebody on your facebook uh publishes some obscure thing about how it's not this and it's not that don't worry about it uh go whatever i'm gonna go with the people who have gone to school for years and years on this the epidemiologists i think i said that right the people who uh are involved in this the Center for Disease Control in BC all that so they say things like this wash your hands with soap okay so we have lots of soap in the washrooms that wash your hands Uh, and if you go out without washing your hand there's gonna be a light that flashes (laughs) and your fit picture will appear on the screen (laughs) I wish we had that that'd be amazing we don't so wash your hands really do uh, and if you're coughing cough into your elbow something like that rather than your hands and then because maybe you haven't been able to wash it yet uh limit and are we're asking you to limit or eliminate your handshaking uh, and that kind of thing hugs because most of it comes out of our, our, our mouth. The, the stuff goes onto our hands. It's not fear. It's actually what the medical experts tell us to do. So, uh, Joash, you're still here. You were here, you did this last week. We're gonna try again. I, we did this in fun. Come on, come on, we got a little faster than that. You're not my age, you're young. So we did this one in fun. Hey, hey, how are you? I, that one's kind of awkward. So we can do this one, fist pump, or we can do like like that, okay? So, thank you, Joash. Now it's amazing. He was ready. So you say oh it's silly okay if you want to think it's silly that's fine but for the person who may catch what you may be carrying and you're not aware of it's not silly particularly if people are are elderly or if they're immune suppressed okay which you don't know in the room who may be immune suppressed may be dealing with us so we're going to pray we're going to believe god all that kind of stuff and we're going to be wisdom we're going to be wise wisdom is a gift from heaven okay So we're going to be wise and we're going to take precautions and all that. And try not to touch your face is what everything, but uh, it's hard. (laughs) Okay. And wash your phone is another thing if you have a phone. Okay. Wash your phone. So that's uh, taking care of precautions around the, see, just now you're going to be like, "Ah, if I need a laugh ever throughout the service, I'll do that. But I'm like, "Eh, I don't know taking precautions. But there's another virus that's coming out of this that is probably uh, very important that we learn how to navigate. It's a fear virus. It's unseen, uh, but people catch it so easily, and you can whip yourself into uh, emotional and uh, mental problems if you don't uh, navigate it well. So I'm going to go back again in Psalm 91, 1 to 3, and talk about Uh, just a couple of things that I I think are really important to that are antidotes to the fear virus. Okay? I'm scratching on the side of my face. Okay? First is, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Position is important. If you're going to, Uh, navigate through and have an antidote for the the fear virus I must dwell in the shelter of the Most High I must have a vital real relationship with Jesus it can't be through somebody else on the stage or through my mother or my father or my kids or anything like that Uh, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty if you're gonna be in the shadow of somebody it means you're pretty close to them okay so stay close to the Lord position is important it also prayer is important I will say of the Lord HE IS MY REFUGE, HE IS MY FORTRESS, MY GOD IN WHOM I TRUST. SPEAK AND PRAY and, AND CONTEND WITH FAITH. HE IS MY REFUGE, HE IS MY FORTRESS, HE IS MY GOD IN WHOM I TRUST. HE IS. GOD MOVES FOR YOU IN RESPONSE TO A WORD FROM YOU. THAT'S WHAT PRAYER IS. So. Position is important. Prayer is important. A personal relationship with God is important. Notice it says, it doesn't say he is the refuge. He is the fortress. It says he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. He's not. He could be just a God to you, but if you want to walk under the covering of God and the protection of God in a real significant way, Become a follower of Jesus. And then instead of reading about him, you know him. He is not a God or my church's God. He is my God, my refuge. And choosing faith over fear is important. Verse 5, it says, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. So we will not fear. We're not going to be cowed by it, by whatever people might say about it. We're going to pray and ask God to limit it. We're going to pray health over one another. We're going to pray health over our church. We're going to pray for a destruction of the virus really quickly. We believe in divine healing. We believe in healing through the medical profession. We have hospitals, and most hospitals were built by Christian people who started to say, we want people to be well. So in every way, we want people to be well. So we're going to be smart about it we're gonna pray about it but at the end of the day he will save you from the snare and the pestilence he will cover you he will shield you he can save you by protecting you from it he can save you by stopping it in its tracks he can save you by healing you from it he can save you by taking you to heaven but that's not one of the options that I'm taking right now I'm praying for that not praying for that one but in all seriousness God's got us okay but we're also going to be—we're also going to be smart when we go out and uh, if we go skiing nowadays, people wear helmets all the time. Do you know why they do that? Because a lot of us got uh, concussions. Hey, why they have now they have seatbelts in cars and they have airbags. So you—you you pray in God. I don't want to get in an accident. Cover me. And if I get in an accident, thank you for my seatbelt. Okay. If I go to church, I thank you that the person beside me washed their hands. Amen. Beep, beep, light on the screen. That's you. Okay. No. So let's be let's be wise about it. And I know, uh, I already had somebody this morning. Uh, two people actually said, "But hugging is in my DNA." I said, "Well, I, there might be something else in your DNA I don't want." <laughs> right? And you might give it to somebody else. So let's keep that. Uh, <laughs> Now, I don't mean to be offensive by it or weird about it, but let's let's just be, it might be awkward for a little bit because in fact, you know, the B.C.'s Provincial Health Officer uh, specifically, this isn't in the center, specifically warned, r- squirrel, yes, V.C.'s medical health officer specifically warned religious gatherings, and I was pumped by that because this, it shows that when we gather as a church, they expect that we love one another, they expect that we hug one another, they expect that we're high-fiving, they expect that we're close, and so in all of it, we're going to be wise, and we're going to be full of faith, okay? That's a really weak amen, okay? How people are going like this with their hands, they're like tucking them in, nobody's touching me, it's gonna be fine. And if somebody does forget the protocol, we have hand sanity in the lobby as well. Uh, And uh, what's that? Take a look? My wife's just talking to me. I don't know if she's directing me or just making a comment because sometimes. Well, I'm just being careful. All right, Shanda and I, uh, one another, what are we gonna talk about today? One another. Uh, I started talking about this series. Now I'm so very aware of my face right now. Like, uh. <laughs> Feel like I need like one of those sticks in my hand could just like scratch my face. Okay. How many of you are feeling a little itchy right now? Just watching me. <laughs> uh, right now, as soon as I start talking about it, your right ear is tickling right there. I think I'll start. I should start. Okay. Last summer I started uh, in this this topic of one another. Because it, it rolled out of, uh, in our culture, I noticed more and more that uh, the toxicity of our discourse socially is there. Uh, it, it's in our political world where instead of disagreeing with a person, we now the goal in politics is to demean and diminish the person by their physical characteristics, their mental capacity, or their age, or something like that is become the norm in our culture. And many of us laugh at it or clap along with the the. the the language that is putting people down all the time. Where now there's becoming more and more of a divide in our culture between uh, people of different viewpoints, people of different perspectives and all that. Hey, we have different perspectives. We know things that, that we don't all see things the same. But our culture has gotten very toxic in it. Uh, it's not just confined to the political world. It's You see it more and more if you're on social media. Somebody says something and now uh, a warrior from behind their keyboard we'll say something nasty back to somebody else. And you think that I can't believe that you would do that. You believe that. Oh my goodness. Uh, could be a Trump thing. Could be a, a Trudeau thing. Just pick your, uh, whichever one that you feel like is, is your champion or not. And, and if it's not your, their champion, then I'm against you. And, and we're in warfare with one another. And it's, it's, it's not, not good at all. And that's in the political realm. It's in the church world. It's in our families where we see, uh, People, uh, families breaking apart for all kinds of reasons—from adultery to divorce to people living in the same house but not getting along with one another. We live in a culture where people now, have to to find one another, will use apps, which can be really good. Some of them, some of them are though exp- explicitly meant to hook up with one, one one another. Where instead of where you used to actually get to know someone and find out if you're uh, if God's calling you together, now I can meet you on an app and. And, and they can sleep together. And, and what used to be uh, a relationship thing has now been a commodity, and people are looked upon as something to fulfill a need in me rather than someone to be loved. And in so many places in our culture today, and in Greater Vancouver in particular, we are one of the loneliest places, survey after survey after survey, where uh, we have so many people from all around the world. We have cultural differences. We have uh, ethnic differences. We have uh, Differences of, of of political things. We have differences of faith. We have all kinds of things that, uh, in our culture right now, are, are coming together and putting pressure on so many ways. Uh, could be financial things, and there's pressure after pressure after pressure. And instead of being a place uh, of of love and togetherness in our culture and in our church world, we're often people who can be alongside but not in together in one another. But. We see people struggling with the resulting challenges of of identity confusion, of hatred, of division, of frustration, of relational brokenness, of of loneliness, of anxiety, of depression, and. And then there's division and family breakup and political breakup. And and every place, it's just amped up on every level. But I believe that Jesus showed us a better way. I believe if you're a follower of Jesus, he shows us a better way to live together as one another. Not just the people that get along with you, but as people to come together as one another. And in particular, the church, instead of being amplifying the division of the culture, should be ones that bring healing to the divisions of the culture but often we will put up things on our social media we will comment on things that do nothing to advance the cause of christ that do nothing to bring people together but in fact highlight the divisions and don't point to jesus but point to something else either to ourselves or our argument it's always gets so quiet at the beginning like this but jesus talked very clearly about this in john 13 34 if you're a follower of jesus this is what he said he said a new command i give you in surrey in the 21st century on your social media on your instagram in your facebook on the comments that you make in in the way that you talk about your politicians as a new command i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another a new command love one another as i have loved you love one another people will know that you're a follower of me if you love one another how does jesus love unconditionally even people of a different political persuasion can know jesus And love Jesus and have a different political viewpoint than you I know it's hard to believe even people that watch Fox News know Jesus even people that watch CNN know Jesus even people that have a different uh, political perspective about different things even people that think you should get vaccines or don't think you should get vaccines can love Jesus and still should be loved by you People from another nation, a different cultural background should be loved by you. Love one another. Unconditionally, Jesus loves continually. He loves sacrificially. Love those that love you. Love those that hate you. Love the agnostic. Love the atheist. And you've heard this. If you've been here for the last month, I'm pounding this home because I think it's what Jesus said. When we do it right, people will know that we're followers of Jesus. So when we love the liberal and we love the conservative, we love every culture. We love every people group. We love the people that agree with us. We love the people that disagree with us. We love the sinner. We love the saint. We love the gay person. We love the straight person. We love our enemies. We love the people that agree with us. We love one another. Why? So that people will know that you are a follower of Jesus. Because if they know that you're a follower of Jesus, it should make a difference at the base level in how we treat one another. Jesus said, how will they know if you are my disciples? This is how they will know if. Everybody say if if you love one another that's the qualifier not if you have great worship music if you sing the song 33 times not how many how much money you raise for missions trips none of that none of that's bad but jesus said the qualifier of being a follower of jesus is people will know you are my disciples if you love one another because it's very different than the way of our culture it's very different it's countercultural to love people who don't love you. Jesus said in Luke 6, 31 and 32, do to others as you would have them do to you. How many of you like that first verse? Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's the golden rule. But then Jesus raises it and he said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. In other words, it's easy to love people who are nice to you. It's easy to love people who agree with you. It's easy to love people who do the same as you. It's easy to love people who, whatever do something good to you. But Jesus said, if you are a follower of me, I want you to model a different way in Surrey. I want you to model a different way, and I'm going to step on your toes, on your Facebook account. I want you to model a different way in what you post. I want you to model a different way in how you comment. I want you to model a different way in what you speak about those you disagree with. I want you to live a different way, because when you do, people will know. there's." something different. They are acting different than the culture around them, because Jesus has transformed the way we are, and we begin to love one another, treat one another differently. You know, the reality is, though, more and more, I was talking about this in the office this week, and and there's things called algorithms. When you go on the internet, how many of you maybe search for something? A new pastor, and then you will find out. <laughs> search for new shoes and then all of a sudden a little while later you go on your facebook and what is every ad shoes (laughs) some people in our house i'm like why are shoes on all your ads but because they have algorithms, they start to bring you towards things that they want you to buy. And you soon you're, and and you start watching certain kind of news and and then eventually even the only kind of news that starts popping up on your feed is stuff that you agree with. And smaller and smaller gets your worldview because they're trying to get you in a box. So here's, so that you will spend money and do what what the, the algorithm is designing you to do and in many ways we live that way we only listen to voices that we agree with we only go around people that we agree with we're only around situations that are exactly what we are like and so we're never challenged we say pastor i love everybody how how do i know that because everybody's exactly the same as me everybody thinks the same as me everybody is exactly like me it's easy to love those kind of people but jesus said love those who Don't love you. Be good to those who hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. And so he says, model a different way in a culture that is always built on self-protection, self-reliance, selfishness, and live in a world where people don't agree with you, don't love you, speak ill of you, and live differently. Live as I have loved you. Love as I have loved you. It's easy to love those that love you. If you love those who love you, though, what credit is that to you, Jesus said. In our culture, it's incredibly powerful when we love those who don't love us. Because people everywhere are looking for a place to be one another, to belong, to be included, to matter. In Galatians 3, it talks about how we put on Christ. Christ. Put on Christ the very person of who he is put on Jesus and in Colossians 3 we've been looking at the last number of weeks this few verses in 3 12 to 14 therefore somebody say therefore as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourself with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience Bear with each other. Can I have my water, please? And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them together, all together in perfect unity. As God's chosen people, we've talked about it two weeks ago or three weeks ago too, I think. Nick talked about humility today uh, and did a great job on it. And today we're going to talk about gentleness or meekness can you hold a different position and still have a relationship with someone is it possible despite what our culture says to love someone that you don't agree with i believe it is is it have the question is will it be my way will i clothe myself with my attitudes or will i clothe myself with christ in christ asks us the impossible in ourselves. But here's the good news. Although we, we may struggle with what we were, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it says there is therefore now no Gentile, no barbarian, no male, no female, no slave, no free. In other words, whatever your life was before does not define you. So whatever you came out of does not determine what you're going into. Is that what God, when Jesus comes in with the way you used to live from the inside, it taught, the Bible talks about that our old self has been crucified with Christ. It's dead. Now, it the old way of living is dead. And now I might have ways I think and way I feel that I, I still struggle with, but it no longer controls me. Now Christ lives in me. Jesus lives in me and becomes the energy force, the life force force the the drive of my life begins from the inside out jesus inside of me see the bible says this uh, jesus talks about that anyone who belongs to christ has become a new person the old life has passed away and a new life has begun in other words that your future is possible because the new life of Jesus comes on inside of you and it should l- then begin to affect the way we speak, the way we talk about those that we don't agree with, the family relationships we have, how well we love our li- our wife, how well we speak to our parents in every way Jesus should begin to redefine the way that we live. Now we may have grown up in a place where we were neglected, where we didn't know how to live, where people spoke ill of us, where we got our back up because we were bullied, where we were abused, and we we've learned a way of living. But then old things pass away, and then suddenly all things become new, and the future begins to be possible, not by white knuckling it, not by trying harder alone, but because the power of Jesus begins to live inside of me and He begins to set me free from not just what my past was, but begins to free me from the effects of it in my present. He can heal me from the abuse that that I, that I experience that so that I can no longer be an abuser, but I become one that is a blesser. He can heal me from the rejection that I once experienced so that I can now no longer reject people, but I can accept people. Because so many of us are living out of what was that we fail to let Jesus deal with what is so that we can have a new what will be. He's a new creature. My issue is not my identity. In I am not a sinner. If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, my identity is not based on what I do. I am not a sinner who occasionally does good. I am a saint who occasionally sins. And so my identity is changed. I live according to my identity that as a follower of Jesus Christ, a new future is possible. A new present is possible. It's be- I can have a better family life. I can have a better family life than I might have grown up with. I can have a better financial life than what I might have grown up with. I can have a better physical life than I might what I might have experienced at this point. I can have a better relationship because jesus has come to set me free in every area of my life his life forces inside of me changing my present and my future my issue is not my identity jesus is my identity if i'm a follower of jesus so that means You may struggle with alcoholism, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a saint and a son who may struggle with alcoholism. And I know there's all kinds of ways of talking about that, but let me tell you this, and I get why people do that in recovery, but let me tell you this, that you are a saint in Jesus, and the life force of heaven is inside of you, and that what has been controlling you suddenly on the inside, Jesus begins to control you and live from the inside out. How many of you have been angry with pe- that people are getting away with something? Have you ever watched that before? somebody gets away with something the person that at the front of the line in the left turn lane and you know they're on their phone and the red the green arrow is going and then just as it turns yellow, they look up and race through and you're waiting a long time. or the person at the tilt it says, EXPRESS checkout, 10 ITEMS OR LESS, AND THEY HAVE AT LEAST 42. AND IF YOU COUNTED THE EGGS, IT'S 54. AND YOU'RE LIKE, HOW CAN THIS BE? YOU THINK ALL KINDS OF EVIL THOUGHTS ABOUT THEM AND YOU PRAY THAT THEIR CARD is DECLINED. OR or YOU'RE IN A UNIVERSITY CLASS AND YOU GET ASSIGNED THAT PERSON FOR A GROUP PROJECT. IF YOU'RE IN UNIVERSITY, HAVE YOU EVER GOT ASSIGNED THAT PERSON? Put your hand up and wave at me that's the person who shows up and they get all the credit and they do nothing but you know you got to do it because your mark's riding on it but you find ways to get back at them lord help you and he'll no i'm not kidding i'm just kidding or the person that uses their position and power to put others down or the bully in school or the bully in the workplace or the person that's verbally and physically abusive and somehow keeps getting ahead the person that makes prejudicial remarks and pretends like, oh, it's not, I don't really believe that. Well, then why are you saying it? It's easy to get frustrated when there are, doesn't seem to be a way to stop it or at least give them a taste of their own medicine. And I'm worried that they'll get more and more, uh, more and more, do it more and more. When I was about 11, probably not even at age 10 or 11, I was. We lived for until I was 12 in a little town called Burton, which had as many people in the town as are in this room. About that's about how many people lived there, and every uh, Victoria Day long weekend. I think it was Victoria Day, there was a ball tournament. Would that be right, Rob? There was always a ball tournament where people came, uh, t- teams would come from Vernon and the and, uh, Cusp and Nelson and all over the place, and there'd be ball games there. So there'd be strangers in town. Yeah. And when you're from Burton, you know everybody, so you know who doesn't belong. And I remember standing in the park, and there was parents are playing ball and drinking a lot and uh, doing both at the same time which can be quite entertaining at times i didn't do that but i've seen it but their kids would be in the playground which was right nearby and i remember i was standing there with my friend mark and and uh a guy from lumby was there and maybe they were 12 or 13 and and my friend and i were 11 10 11 12 somewhere in there and this person was pushing mark and just kept pushing him. And I said, stop it. Mark said, stop it. But Mark was a little quieter guy. He was way bigger than me, but uh, he was really quiet. And, and so this person kept pushing on Mark and pushing him and, and trying to fight him and push him and punch him and and was giving him a slug here and there. And then Craig being who I am, I said, if you do that one more time, I'm going to hit you. This is 1980, maybe something like that, 82 uh, in there. So people do it differently nowadays. I understand that. So I I say, you touch my friend one more time. You stop bullying him. Don't do that anymore. And he said, ha, 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 and punched him in in the chest. And that was the end of it for him. (laughs) Because I I have three older brothers. Uh, I am well-versed in all how to defend myself or take the offense if you need to. So I just jumped him, and I started pummeling him, and and he was way bigger than me. And get away from my friend, and and he runs off. Uh, After I was all done, I get up, my face is all dirty and mucked around and everything, and and, and then the adrenaline drops. And I look over, and my dad is watching on the fence. (laughs) And I just come towards him, he just smiles. (laughs) I walk over, and I went home. That was it. (laughs) That was meekness and gentleness in action. I'll explain that in a little bit. Another time I was in uh, probably 1997, 98, when uh, casinos were being all over the place, uh, and one was coming to our town in Campbell River at the time, and I was marshalling to try and stop that because of the there's a lot of negative effects when the casino comes in town. So anyway, went through a whole long process, came to the city council, did a presentation, brought... I uh, uh, through marshalled about probably 250 people, filled the room, the, the city council room, and got my five minutes where I was allowed to speak. Uh, and then there was people out in the lobby, and then they're like, you're, thank you, you're dismissed and i was like oh i'm so disappointed i'm walking out in the lobby and someone that uh, won't be named except shanda said to me you're not going to let them stand up and do that to you are you i was like oh. i grabbed the megaphone 27 years old i burst into the city council chambers and start hollering on the megaphone how are you doing this and have uh, a front page of the newspaper cbc news all that kind of stuff cknw all these kind of things and and i'm yelling back and forth and everything that was not meekness and gentleness that was craig out of control okay so but it was kind of fun in the moment but i had to i actually had to then go out uh, or call or go out with every one of those city councilors over time and apologize for my behavior because it was out of control uh, but sometimes we get funny ideas of what meekness is Uh, meekness or gentleness. Uh, This is how it looks in our political culture today. I read this. uh, It's a, a political operative in the States wrote this. When they go low, go lower. Fight to win. Be mean. Be nasty. Beat them at their ugly game. Stop trying to be the better person. Be the worser person. Obviously, didn't go to university. Buck up. Whatever it takes. Screw civility. Fight. And that's the culture that we live in today. And if culture is going to be different, the church can be a voice in the middle of that. And sometimes we look in the middle of all this and say, what is meekness? Well, the Merriam-Webster D- dictionary says this, having or showing a quiet and gentle nature, not wanting to fight or argue with other people. So in the face of injustice, do we do nothing? In the face of corrupt politicians, do we do nothing? In the face of bullies and harassers, do we do nothing? In the face of racism and homophobia and religious persecution, do we do nothing? And then when we look at that, though, the Bible has a different meaning for the word meekness. When you study the original meaning, I think you have them on the screen there, I think, uh, Caitlin. Caitlin, uh, It means this. It means power under control. Those almost look like opposite things, don't they? One is showing a quiet or gentle nature, not wanting to fight or argue with the other people. But in the Bible, the word used for meekness is power under control. In other words, I use my power to lift people. I use my power to be a bridge builder. I use my power to be a reconciler. I use my power to model a different way. So in the middle of it, I don't just let anything happen. But this word meant, uh, there was a word used for war horses. If you can believe that. These war horses were tremendously power, but yet in the battle were absolutely under control. They were gentle to their riders, but they were fierce in battle. And that's that two sides to meekness. Jesus was this kind of meek, power under control. He wasn't timid. He wasn't afraid of conflict. He walked the earth in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was passionate to see things uh, change. He was passionate, passionate for the poor. He was passionate for women to be brought up. He was passionate for the sick. Jesus was willing to engage in places. He didn't just watch life happen. He was in there with power under control and that's the strength of weakness let's not uh, confuse the two meekness and timidity are opposites the quietness of meekness is the result of one's trust in the lord the quietness of timidity is the result of one's lack of trust and when we trust the Lord, I hand it to him, which leads to rest. When I trust, when I hold on it, I, it leads to resentment or revenge. Some people are t- all smiling. Oh, it's okay. It's everything. It's fine. And oh, you were, it, it was terrible, but it's okay. But inside in her heart, it's simmering. Simmering in resentment. It's just simmering. If you say the right word, it could come out. And other people are active in revenge. Canadians find unique ways to get revenge because we're passive aggressive so we'll just talk about it or talk around someone but timidity is quietness that leads to revenge or resentment where meekness or gentleness is a quietness that leads to rest. Real meekness means that you're quiet when you should be quiet. When people are reviling or treating you unjustly, when others are losing their temper, when others chatter about this or that, when they fight for their own gain and advantage, a quietness when we're quiet. Meekness is when we choose to overlook personal slights, when we, when we really want to win, but maybe we let someone else, when we feel hurt and we choose the right response, when we really want someone else to grovel in front of us and we choose a different response. But meekness, meekness is not failing to address injustice meekness does not let evil triumph meekness does does address sin meekness is not having no convictions meekness is not having no principles no sense of right and wrong meekness speaks up meekness is quiet when it's fitting to be quiet And it can boom like the sound of thunder and lightning when it's fitting to do so. Strength under control. If you're a mom, you can be the meekest person, but if somebody does something to your kids, mama bear is coming out. And you're going to act on and stand up for. And so meekness is not afraid to act and stand up for, but it's how you do it. It's how you speak. It's how you speak about people. It's the names that you do not call them. All that kind of stuff. So it's strength under control. And we're going to look at that with it this morning for three times really quick. You're like, how are we going to do that? It's going to be easy where Jesus shows us how to act towards people who have done wrong, people who are doing wrong, people who have treated us wrong. We see meekness and gentleness in his treatment of the woman caught in adultery. This woman was caught, the Bible says, in the act of adultery and they brought her to Jesus and said, do something, she should be uh, stoned and, and not how BC Bud kind of stone, stoned with rocks and killed. And Jesus said, hey, if you're without sin, you cast the first stone. That's, and then he's, and they all left. And then Jesus bends down to her and says, neither do I condemn you. And he didn't leave it there because that's timidity. But meekness says, neither do I command, condemn you, but go and sin no more. In other words, you have done stuff, now deal with it and go and sin no more. Meekness means you never look down on someone unless you're helping them up. But they believe different. But they act different but they have this sinful issue i never look down on someone unless i'm helping them up meekness is willing to confront the issue while honoring the person how many of you have gone out of a uh, my goal when i correct uh, when i'm dealing with staff or or volunteers or or my children is that i can deal with the issue and they go out feeling encouraged They know that they've done wrong, but they know that change is possible and that I'm going to help them, that I believe in them, that they're going to make it and I honor them and call out the best in someone. Any fool, so to speak can call out the bad in somebody. Oh, this is wrong. That's wrong. It takes a man or a woman of God to say, you may be doing wrong. You may be in a situation, but I see you this way. And more importantly, God sees you this way. Meekness seeks restoration over revenge. Meekness seeks restoration over ridicule. We call people higher. That's using our strength to lift people. That's using our strength to encourage. That's using our strength to be builders. Anybody can tear people down, but the people that follow. Jesus love one another and say I'm gonna be a builder I'm gonna be an encourager I'm gonna be a, a person who comes alongside I'm willing to confront injustice of any kind racism religious persecution homophobia prejudice whatever it is, because we are willing to stand up for people. We're willing to stand up for people that we agree with. We will not allow people to be demeaned. We will not allow people to be dehumanized. We will not allow people to be ridiculed or or spoken ill of. But the people of Jesus stand and say, I will love one another. I will say, hey, we're going to deal with something, but my hope is that I can help you up out of where you are. My hope is I can confront the issue but still honor you for who you are as a son or a daughter, a created one, a human in God's image. We also see it in a way that Jesus willingly associated with and even sought out the outcasts of society, the people that were on the margins, the poor, the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, whatever you would consider as being on the edge of your world, Jesus went and was gathering around them. The tax collectors and the sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. The religious people were saying, hey, Why are you hanging around those people you're you should not be you're pure stay away from the people that are impure but jesus in fact hung around them they felt comfortable around them he did not let them off the hook but he dealt with the wrong things in their life and he did it in a heart of mercy can i just say that a church service where jesus is preached and sinners are still welcome is the kind of church service that jesus will be at it's the kind of service that people who are far from god should feel the love of god for them that in the middle of the, our mess that jesus while we were yet sinners died for us while we were far from god he went to the cross for us while we hated him he loved us and should not the church of jesus christ the people of god the people who love jesus Act and conduct ourselves in the same way that we love people while they are unlovable, so to speak. Because how many of you know that Jesus loved you while you were unlovable, while you spit in his face, while we had no time for him, he had time for us. While we walked away from him, he walked towards us. If we live and preach the hope and the goodness of Jesus, it's still attractive to a world gone crazy and without hope. I read about uh, on social media and people posting about things that we should be suspicious of any church that's growing because they're probably watering down the gospel. Let me tell you this. Truth and grace. Grace and truth. Love and acceptance. Jesus modeled both all the time. And he was not... uh, While he was willing to love one another, he was not a compromiser of the truth. That's why you will hear from this pulpit, and we want to be a church that models it, that while we were without hope, that Jesus died for us. While I was yet sinner, if I have ever felt like I don't measure up, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus came to seek. Jesus came to save the lost. That is what, that means he's looking for them. That means he's looking for you. That means he's looking for me and should not if we are followers of Jesus Christ as we as loved us, so also we love one another. So we love, we seek for, we look for, we engage with those that disagree with us. Well, so love while showing sensitivity while showing grace and it means we allow people to belong in our lives before they believe in our church yeah but what, what about that thing what about your thing Jesus came to seek and save the lost and I thank God for that that Jesus modeled that that though i don't deserve anything from him he did so much for us as many as received him to them gave he the power to become the sons and the daughters of god and received means, and that word talks about received it implies a, a repentance where i was walking this way in my life but then i received jesus